1: Before they were live, an ongoing monthly and extremely nerdy conversation through the Disney animated canon in chronological order, discussing the way these movies have shaped us and our imaginations. Hopefully, along the way, we enrich the viewing experience and have some fun too. Get ready to yell at your podcast player because we've arrived at part one of our two part finale, where we will be discussing listener questions. Reflecting on this project, which we started in July of 2017, and stating opinions strongly on all manners of things Disney. Today, we'll mostly be discussing Disney villains and Disney songs, but I'm sure we'll hit some other topics along the way. If you've ever listened to one of our shows, (laughs) you can imagine. Um, If you want to send us questions, it isn't too late. Just reach out at beforetheywerelive at gmail.com. We are very grateful for the listeners who sent in questions already, and we will endeavor to answer all of them. Either in part one or part two. Joining me as For always. Part
0: three, if we keep getting emails, that's
1: true. It could be part three. Uh, but anyway, joining me as always, the voice you just heard—he's the only other person I know who has watched every single movie in the Disney animated canon.
0: <laughs> it's Michael <laughs> Farmer. <laughs> How you doing, Josh? You have your? Uh, do you have your tuxedo on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: I had to, I had to rent it today, so. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so my my whole goal, Michael, is just that our show is not uh, as boring as actual award show.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the good news is there won't be any, like, long speeches. There won't be any novelty songs. <laughs> <laughs> At no point will the president of the Academy come out and make a speech about how pirating movies is, is akin to killing Anne Frank. <laughs> But I can't promise we won't be boring. Yeah.
1: Well, I can never promise that, but it is it is the goal. It is the goal for the day.
0: So, um, do you want to say who sent us these questions? I don't think we have each each question marked by people, but I know we got three emails with a gracious, plenty of questions each, which is we very did.
1: nice. Yes, we did. Um, yeah,
0: uh, I can do that. <laughs>
1: there's one question in particular which we're going to get into here in a minute that is going to be uh extremely obvious to any longtime listener of the christian humanist radio network who sent it in um but yes we got questions from jordan we got questions from nathan and we got questions from joe should i give full names you can if you
0: want like that i mean at least has jordan been on the show did we have him on the show uh
1: uh, jordan is never a guest i don't believe he did send us a really nice email after frozen 2 about uh some of his thoughts on on things we talked about but yeah jordan paul nathan
0: Nathan, of course was on our um our black cauldron episode yes yeah yeah nathan gilmore was on the black cauldron and
1: then joe um i don't know how to Cornelia
0: is how his last name is pronounced okay
1: there you go so yeah thank you to the three of them very nice to have them um, we also got one surprise question from my daughter, which is
0: it's more oh. rhetorical. It's more rhetorical than a question. But I, I so that uh, one wasn't on the list you sent me. N-
1: no, because uh, she just came at me this afternoon. But it's, it's gonna, oh, I
0: cannot wait.
1: Yeah, it's 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 just a, it's <laughs> well, yeah. We'll tease that one for we'll have that at the end of looking back here. So, um, so yeah, we we, we kind of have I don't I don't know, Michael. The, uh, we can we can change this as we go. But the the way I kind of was thinking of it was um, we've got a looking back section, which is more kind of like big ideas, I guess. Um, and then we've got some major awards, and then we've got a lightning round. So should we just go in that order? yeah okay so looking back since i could not believe that we started this in july of 2017 that was uh, kind of crazy but you um you asked this question last week and it, it dovetailed nicely with uh the way nathan worded it um you had worded it as when was the last time they were an underdog and uh, nathan said when did disney turn the corner in your view from betting it all <laughs> on every hand of cards to calculating profit margin and hedging bets
0: as so. usual, Nathan puts it so much more interestingly than I do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he is a good question asker. If, if,
0: um, he really is, yeah. Yeah,
1: dear listener, if you you don't listen to Christian Humanist Profiles, uh, he he does some really nice interviews with different authors, and so uh, you should you should uh, check that out if you have not. Um, I've got a long winded answer to this one, Michael, but I'm curious what you think.
0: Yeah, I I came up with three times when they were underdogs, and I thought maybe we could extrapolate. That about what made them underdogs and why they probably will be again. But oh, I, like that. I mean, do you want me to go first, or do you, do, or do you want to go first?
1: Yeah, I, I you go and I'll I'll jump in if you don't mind, and, and if uh and and say oh you know whatever. So go ahead.
0: Uh, so they were underdogs, obviously, with the first five movies. Um, they were doing these things that people hadn't really thought about doing before. The studio was always. On the verge of closing, so I, I think there's no way to claim that those first five movies weren't they weren't underdogs. Then you've got the period in the late 60s and 70s when Walt was dead and the studio had basically run out of money, and they're doing those kind of Xerox pictures where they're recycling, um, where they're recycling animation from one movie to another, and sometimes music from one movie to another. That's the punk rock period of Disney animation where they're they're making something really kind of magnificent out of not very much technique. And then you have the time. Just oh, before I, I like the that. Disney. Renaissance. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's the period where they, they really seem like underdogs to me where they, they really seem like, I mean, as close to the sex pistols as the Walt Disney company is ever going to get. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then the period right before the Disney Renaissance, um, where they're the black cauldron and the great mouse detective and Oliver and company where, they feel kind of tired. They feel like they're reaching for something and they can't quite get it. And then you have the Renaissance, of course, where they're back on top. And then you have, I think, probably the least underdog of the four underdog periods, the time just after the Disney Renaissance, when DreamWorks steals a bunch of the audience and Disney just seemed exhausted. And then you come back into what we've called the Imperial era. And and that's where what Nathan is describing is really just true. I think where they're not taking a lot of chances where they're just um, kind of finding the button to push and pushing it as many times as they can. And you see that maybe not so much with the animated movies in particular, although somewhat with those, but certainly with the way the company operates as a whole, where where they buy Marvel, where everything is a Marvel movie or a live-action remake or a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would say that the, the last period where you can really see them being scrappy is that late 60s and 70s period, maybe... Um, Maybe Jungle Book through Rescuers. Yeah. Where, like, I think we all, we liked all of them, except for um, the Aristocats, we liked most of the movies in that era, but there's something kind of scuzzy and cheap looking about them that nevertheless, like, they're still great. Like, you know, Robin Hood, I'm sure is going to be in both of our top tiers when we do the tiers next, uh, next month. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would say that's really their last real underdog period. And then by the time you get something like black cauldron, it's almost too well put together to really belong to that punk rock period, right? Like it's a, it's a big budget movie and you can see that and it fails critically and commercially and in some, some ways aesthetically, but, um, you don't get that same kind of, uh, let's put on a show, um, attitude that you that you get with uh with robin hood or uh, or the rescuers yeah Hmm.
1: i i really like your answer michael i mine is slightly different but i i really like yours so um i also i i went the same way with like there's not one kind of inflection point there you know um so i i totally agree with you our our eras are just a, a little slightly different so i i said um you know, Cinderella comes out in 1950, and so does uh, the live-action Treasure Island. And so in 1950 is kind of when Disney is first diversifying revenue streams. So, like, maybe, you know, right in that time period, like, Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad or Cinderella itself is kind of the last, like, bet the company on this movie um, mm. moment. Because I didn't even that- think about that. Well, yeah, I mean, this is this is just like I said, I really liked your answer, but I, I just I kind of threw that in there as a as a as one point where they were maybe last underdogs versus uh, more calculating. But then is Treasure,
0: think, is Treasure Island their first big live action picture? I believe I believe
1: it's the first live action, I think.
0: Okay. I, so that's, yeah. that's I hadn't thought about that, that they're no longer depending on the animation as much. Yeah. Uh, Diversifying the revenue stream.
1: Yeah. So that's, I I don't know, that's, that's one divergent point that I put in there. And then, um, I really like that you called the like Aristocats era punk rock (laughs) (laughs) because I think that's great. It really is. But I, that, that is, I, I completely agree with you on that one. I, I actually, I wrote down Aristocats, um, as, because Aristocats is the last movie that Walt has anything to do with. Like he sees, um, you know, like they're in like the writing phase when he dies, you know, um, and so from then on, like they I think without Walt's direction, they really are underdogs for a little while. And there's and I think there's. They were never going to shutter the, you know, Walt was never going to shutter the animation, but I think there's a real chance that animation could be shuttered after aristocats you know but aristocats surprisingly and amazingly does well you know <laughs> like uh in the box office and so they keep going you know and then of course like you said that's their punk rock phase they they keep churning out these hits like in some sort of unbelievable way um until they stop and then i, I like agree with you there like they you know they they kind of hit the wall with uh black cauldron which you know was not critically admired And animation was kind of dying, and I think the thing that saved them was the combination of three things. I think is um, the first Cal Arts educated grads are coming online, which Mm. you know after after Disney died, there's a huge endowment to Cal Arts for their animation program, and basically every big name in animation was in that first you know couple years of of uh, of Cal Arts classes. Um, Howard Ashman decides that Disney can be better than it is, <laughs> you know, and, and yes, shows them yes. how to make a musical. And, uh, and then this, this is another one that I learned during the making of our show is, uh, Roger Rabbit, Roger Rabbit, uh, you know, Robert Zemeckis, uh, says, Hey, animation could be better than it is. And he, he makes a fabulous animated film when Disney is refusing to, and, uh, kind of puts Disney in the underdog place in order to make little mermaid like little mermaid. I don't think happens without those three historical things coming at the same time. And I think if little mermaid is, was not a huge hit, (laughs) then the whole trajectory of the company is different after that. So that's probably,
0: do you think they would have folded up shop with the animation?
1: They may have. Well, if, if, well, yeah, if any one of those three doesn't happen, they may have, you know, possibly, I don't know. But that's also like to get to Nathan's question. That's also the point when it becomes commercial. So the very first Disney Happy Meal toys are for Little Mermaid, and then Burger King gets a ten film contract in 1991. And so I think uh, by the time Hunchback of Notre Dame comes out, that's where you really see the art versus commerce in full <laughs> in full swing. You know, like I think I think by Hunchback, they're they're never underdogs again in the same way. And then you know they start getting political with Pocahontas. You mentioned the rivalry with Pixar and, and DreamWorks. So, so like, there's a little bit of like back and forth. But yeah, I don't know. By the time Lassiter gets there, like, is it are they an underdog or I don't know? You know, like maybe if Lassiter totally bombs out, like maybe if, if Bolt totally bombs out, like we're we're having a different conversation.
0: But that's I mean, like, there's definitely. There's definitely a bleak period right in the in the first decade of the 21st century and yet it doesn't feel like the 70s and it definitely doesn't feel like those first first five movies where they're mm-hmm. you know struggling and it doesn't even feel like the 80s where they're doing kind of interesting movies that don't quite land they're they're making Home on the Range and Chicken Little you know what I yeah. mean they're making objectively terrible movies because they're fat and lazy it's hard to call them underdogs in that sense right
1: yeah that's where i think they're more in the hedging bets and calculating profit more and they're not doing it well (laughs) but i think that's what they're doing you know so
0: right right i mean but i guess the kind of underdog movies from that era are um the emperor's new groove and lilo and stitch which you know are both deeply weird movies much smaller than anything in the 90s and um just kind of self-evidently, the two best movies between um, between the Lion King and gosh, pick your pick your restoration movie. Uh, right. uh, I was going to say Frozen, but I don't really feel that way about Frozen. Maybe Wreck It Ralph. I mean, it, those are obviously the two best, and those are the ones that feel kind of punk rock, you know?
1: Yeah, but I think even I think they're outliers. Like I don't, I don't think Disney's yeah. an, an underdog at that point.
0: No, I, yeah. I agree with them. like maybe it's like maybe those movies have something of the spirit of the of the old days but the the whether the whether the studio itself is successful or not they're they're um you you know the the studio is is no longer an underdog right the studio deserves whatever it has coming to it for better or for worse
1: yeah and i think that's that's the interesting thing also uh, having like done like having lived it through it and then like looking back now, like at the I I remember at the time that John Laster came in, like how excited I was for the future of Disney animation. But what I I didn't realize, this is the for better or worse part, I guess, but like uh I I didn't recognize that how formulaic everything was going to become. So they're no longer churning out terrible movies with the occasional like uh like lilo and stitch or emperor's new groove shines through they're 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 turning out consistently high quality content
0: (laughs) content (laughs) or product yeah or
1: product right and i i wouldn't have expected that from from lassiter um but i mean i really do
0: think that's that's kind of the turning point when that all started happening well and we almost never talk about pixar but Obviously, that is also what happened to Pixar, right? And it actually happened to Pixar in some ways before it happened to Disney because Pixar got on the sequel train way before Disney did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you can say, well, oh, well, maybe the first two Toy Story sequels were were telling a story that needed to be told, but how many sequels are there in the Pixar catalog and how many of them are actually in any sense necessary, how much of them are just about pushing that product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like Pixar, you know we we've never seriously discussed doing any Pixar movies on this. So so maybe now is the time to say this. Pixar, when I was in graduate school, like the mid. The mid zeroes the late late zeros early teens it it could do no wrong you know mm-hmm. every year they would put out a movie and you would expect it to be the one that broke them so like uh, well nobody's gonna go see Wally come on Wally is a movie where nobody talks for the first 45 minutes and it's a love story between two robots and like everybody loved Wally and Wally yeah. was incredible and it was like movie after movie after movie did that it felt like they would never ever break and then they broke. Yeah. What goes up, what goes up must come down. I mean, that's the, there there is no human institution that won't eventually fail. Um, And that's an important thing to keep in mind when you were a kid. So we, when the Disney Renaissance hit, we were in grade school. Right? Did you have any sense that there were eras of Disney before that, that like they weren't always on top that, um, that the little mermaid was, you know, something new for them? Or did you have the sense that, their cultural position in the 70s and 60s was pretty much the same as it was in the late 80s and early 90s
1: yeah i i i wasn't the type of kid who would know anything about of that.
0: <laughs> sure so Did you I, just assume sure. right just like you just assume, that, assume that, that when cinderella came out it was greeted the same way little mermaid was because you lacked that kind of cultural yeah. historical yeah, sense
1: exactly yeah i had no i had no sense of any of that stuff so I couldn't have even told you, like, when or, like, what, like, I didn't know which ones were new and which ones are old, you know? (laughs) Well, and
0: part of that is in those days before VHS and DVD, they would re-release all the movies every seven years. Because you you say the first Happy Meal toys were were The Little Mermaid. But I remember having, when I was a kid, I remember there being Cinderella sticker sets in Happy Meals. And it must have been one of that seven-year cycle where it was... Where it was re-released it must have been 89 so that would have been after the little mermaid but that would that would be the seven-year cycle for cinderella right they were still yeah. doing that when we were kids obviously they mm-hmm. don't do that anymore um i don't i guess they do it sometimes when it's like a you know the 30th anniversary of back to the future or whatever you can go see it in the theater but i think yeah. i think people much younger than us probably won't even realize that disney used to cycle through those movies in the theater every seven years and other than that, if you wanted to see it um, before everybody had a VHR, VHR, VHS player, you had to uh, VCR. You had to uh, you had to watch it on um, the Wonderful World of Disney. Sometimes on Sunday nights, they would show uh, an old cartoon. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and Michael Eisner would come out and talk. <laughs> <laughs> During the commercial breaks. (laughs) I remember those wonderful world of Disney's like we'd watch those as a family and we'd record them on the VHS, you know, because that's right. right. And so then every time you'd watch them, you'd have the same like little commercial breaks with, you know, Michael Eisner and the the guys in the Tigger costume or whatever, you know.
0: Yeah, well, and and I, I should say we owned all these movies on many of these movies on VHS, those hideous white plastic VHS uh, cases for, for mm-hmm. all the the Disney classics. So I'm not quite old enough to remember when you you know that was your only option was to to go see them in the theater, but they were still re-releasing them. I don't know if it was the 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 Disney DVD, you know the the vault thing that we used to make fun of all all the time in the early days of the show. Yeah, if that's what finally killed the re-release schedule, but there's there's something kind of um kind of lovely about them re-releasing their movies every i mean that nowadays there's so damn many marvel movies that disney probably doesn't have a space in its schedule to to re-release an old movie even if that was something they still did yeah yeah now and who would, who would sounds... go see it when you can stream it all immediately for free
1: or that's for, true basically for yeah free. yeah the going to the theater is becoming a to a movie theater is is becoming a a very niche thing to do i think
0: yeah, which I haven't
1: is, been in months and months and months. Yeah, I think we discussed that before. Just, yeah, we talked
0: about that last episode. Yeah, yeah, it it is. I mean, it's it's weird how how much the media environment has changed. And of course, the truth is that the media environment from 1937 to 1989, when the Little Mermaid came out, had changed almost as much, and we were just totally unaware of it because we were children in 1989.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, so just like uh, just like people who are children now. Have no have no idea what we're talking about. Two mm-hmm. old two old guys talking about the old days. That's right. Yep. So the only
1: other thing I'd add to this question is there there is the 2D animation piece, which I feel like we've already discussed uh, probably ad nauseum. But uh, I guess you could say Princess and the Frog was a little bit of a, a a swing for the fences. Bet the bet the studio on it. Not bet the studio on it in the same way as the old days, but like bet the future of the medium on it. <laughs> like, if Princess right. and the Frog had done really well, maybe we'd have some more 2D animated features. But since it didn't, we're we're still waiting
0: for the next one, you know? Yep. I wonder if they'll... I'd, who knows if there'll ever be another one. I there, there aren't that many people who can still do the art form, right? This yeah, is the problem with true. putting all of your eggs in the Cal Arts basket.
1: Yeah, that's true. But... Anyway, maybe there'll be a two D Renaissance someday.
0: <laughs> yeah, who can tell?
1: <laughs> who can tell? Yeah. There's space for it now, I feel like, not maybe theatrically, but like uh you know, Disney Plus puts out, you know, enough stuff. Like if somebody with a vision could potentially come in there and get a get a get a mini series of some kind, you know, that's done in two D animation that's done really well.
0: I mean, that Marvel what if was in 2D animation, wasn't it? It was hideous and horrible, but
1: right, right, right. But that's what I mean. I mean, there's 2D animation everywhere. Like there's still the equivalent. There's still the equivalent of Saturday morning cartoons or whatever. A lot of it isn't very good. Um, on the like animation side of things, you know, but that's what I mean. It's like, well, we
0: don't want to make the same mistake that Disney made when home on the range failed. We don't want to say, Oh, well, the problem is 2d or 3d animation. The problem is there's crappy movies and there's good movies and home on the range is a crappy movie. Right. You know, just like like chicken little is a crappy movie. It doesn't mean that 3d animation has no value. Oh yeah. Of course not. We yeah, talked about I, this, I'm sure, yeah. in the in the Winnie the Pooh episode, which is the first episode I remember where I really turned on the company, just like going back through it. Um, the second Winnie the Pooh movie. Um, mm-hmm. And, and um, I, I do feel like you're just like losing, you're losing a whole range of color by not doing any 2D anymore. Mm-hmm. But nobody asked my opinion. That's right. Well, Well, I guess Jordan, Nathan, and Joe asked my opinion, but nobody at the studio asked my opinion.
1: (laughs) All right. Um, Which of Dante's purgatorial vices, which are pride, envy, wrath, sloth, avarice gluttony and lust is the best driver for disney
0: animated villains this must be a nathan gilmore question (laughs) how can you tell (laughs) why would yeah like why would you phrase that as dante's purgatorial vices instead of the seven deadly sins (laughs) unless you're nathan gilmore
1: nathan is a huge fan of dante so
0: so what I did this afternoon is I sat down and I made a list of the, of the seven deadly sins, and I went through each movie and assigned villains to the various sins, and this is how I've come up with my answer. Okay. But I thought instead of just giving you the answer, I would read it in reverse order of the number, and you can tell me if I'm leaving anybody out. Okay. So I could not find anybody who belonged to Sloth. Maybe Ka from The Jungle Book. it's kind of slothful but sloth i don't think is the besetting sin of very many disney villains any (laughs) in fact
1: yeah i didn't i didn't i didn't have any for sloth either
0: the only one for gluttony i could kind of find was carnotaurus from dinosaur and i'm not sure that's exactly true i was trying to figure out what motivates the carnotaurus and that's the only thing i could figure but there's I have a number here, a number of villains here who don't really have one of the seven deadly sins you can associate with them. Cherborg, uh, like Cherborg. I don't understand like what of the seven deadly sins would belong to him. He's just like a force of pure evil yeah. or man from Bambi. Maybe he's <laughs> maybe he's motivated by gluttony. He just seems to me to be like a force of nature. The headless yeah. horseman. <laughs> the rat from Lady and the Tramp like doesn't really have a sin. If if he does, I assume it's gluttony because he's trying to eat the baby. And then Tafiti from um, from Moana isn't even a bad guy really, so it's hard to say that she has a has one of the seven deadly sins. So the only one I could figure out for gluttony was Carnotaurus. Did you find anybody else?
1: No, you you got farther than I did on this, and this is this is why I, I was excited about doing this episode with you because I was like Michael's going to be so much better at this than I am, and you are already proving
0: that true. So continue, please. This is awesome. So for Lu- for lust, <laughs> I've got Gaston, and I've got Frollo. and Frollo's the one I'm really really pretty solid on being lustful because he sings a song about how much he wants to have sex with uh, Esmeralda.
1: <laughs> right. Um. Uh. Yeah, I had um, I actually had pride for Gaston.
0: But, I have uh, him uh, under pride as well. I, I okay. felt like he kind of split that difference. Yeah. Okay. And
1: uh, yeah, but Judge Judge Claude Frollo, I he's he. I feel like he kind of splits the difference on lust and pride as well. But you're right. He definitely has a villain song that is very lustful. So we'll yeah. we'll give him lust.
0: For wrath, I picked people who were even either trying to seek revenge or who were just like mindlessly angry. Uh-huh. and so i came up with the queen of hearts captain hook and robert callahan from big hero, big hero six
1: okay nice um i added uh cruella to wrath
0: okay yeah i could see her i could see her being in, in wrath i could also see her being in pride and the place i put her yeah i mean
1: <laughs> of course human
0: motivation never simple
1: and i think that's kind of what makes uh the best villains the best villains is maybe when they do uh when they do fall into more one more than one category but yeah okay so you had uh sorry queen of hearts and uh um the big hero six guy captain
0: hook and, and robert callahan okay yeah,
1: I put uh, Captain. I I forgot about Robert Callahan. I knew I was going to forget
0: a bunch of villains. Well, yeah, I, did, I know that I left a couple people off this.
1: Well, I did the kind of the opposite that you did. Like I tried to think of like who are the all time great villains, and then which one of these would they fall under? Is <laughs> kind it. of the way I I kind of did it. But um, yeah, I had Captain Hook under Pride as well. But I think Wrath works.
0: Because he, he his is, motivation he is
1: for revenge.
0: Yeah, I have him under envy too, because it's not clear to me if he like envies Peter Pan for his eternal boyhood or not. Yeah, the truth not. is like Captain Hook is just such a, a silly villain that he's almost he almost doesn't need to be motivated by anything. Yeah. Uh, okay, so those those are the ones that don't have a lot. Now the the next three, the last three, avarice, envy, and pride, have a lot. And actually, pride and envy are tied for number one for me. So avarice is basically the second most. Um, avarice is uh, old-fashioned term for greed, so these are people who want money. Stromboli from mm-hmm. from Pinocchio, the Weasels and and Willy from uh, from Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Yeah. Bruella Deville, Sheriff of Nottingham. Yep. Madam Medusa. Sykes from uh, Oliver and Company. McLeach from Rescuers Down Under. Ratcliffe from from Pocahontas. Clayton wait who's Clayton uh Tarzan that's Atlantis right no Tarzan Tarzan. yeah yeah Rourke is Atlantis I have him in there too John Silver Alameda Slim from the worst movie ever made um Home in the (laughs) Range, and Namari and I wasn't sure about Namari but I think if 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 she is a villain as such and if she has if she's motivated by one of these seven, it's probably avarice, although it's a very particular kind of very understandable avarice.
1: You're going to, have to remind me who Namari is.
0: <laughs> she is. Um, she's the bad guy from *Raya and the Last Dragon*.
1: Oh yes, 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 yes.
0: Okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's really fair to call her avaricious, but I think um, I think there's a there's a world in which you could read her as avaricious.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sure.
1: I kind of see. I yeah. I kind of see Raya. Raya is a weird movie cuz for me it it almost falls into the villain. I mean there's Namari is obviously a villain, but like I don't she's not a classic Disney villain. So I, right. I, for me is she the that movie almost more falls into like a, a villainless which is the era that it's in also, you know. Like
0: Yeah, yeah. and she so she me, almost belongs under the none of the above, right? She's almost like Tafiti, where she does what she does for motivations that are not um evil. Right.
1: Yeah, she's standing in the way of Raya, but Raya's really fighting the drone, which is this you know mindless disease thing. You know,
0: so you Um, you would have to put the drone under none of the above.
1: Right. Yeah. All right. So she's she's a secondary villain, if anything, for me. But anyway,
0: yes. Okay. So pride and envy are tied. They both have fifteen. So I'll go through envy first. The evil queen. Mm -hmm. The the mean elephants from Dumbo. (laughs)
1: <laughs> i love some of these that you picked out as villains like that's great okay yes
0: <laughs> well i was trying to think who's the villain from dumbo it's got to yeah. be the mean elephants right right lady yeah. tremaine from cinderella mm-hmm. captain hook again madam mim king Louie from the jungle book i mean okay. literally he wants to be like you
1: yeah
0: <laughs> edgar from the aristocats prince john as opposed to sheriff of nottingham Jafar. Oh,
1: see, I've had yeah. both Edgar and Prince John on it, under avarice.
0: Yeah, yeah. I Ed, Edgar, I could definitely see under avarice. Prince John seems to me to be so driven by resentment of his brother. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Jafar. Yeah. Scar. Absolutely. Hades. Mm-hmm. The bowler hat guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mother Gothel. <laughs> Turbo, uh-huh. and then in a twist, Ralph from Ralph breaks the Internet. He, he's Ooh. the villain of that movie, which he he kind of is.
1: Yeah. It's an
0: it's a jealousy, I suppose, more than envy. Um, if Katie Grubbs is listening, I know that she has a real bugaboo about keeping those two things straight. So those are my those are my envy envious villains. Mm-hmm. See, I had Jafar as a pride myself, and I have him under pride as well. Um, And and pride was a tough one for me because there's so many different forms of pride. But I ended up deciding that pride involved, at least in Disney movies, wanting power for the sake of power. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think Jafar certainly belongs under pride there. It's hard. You know, pride's the chief of sins. So in some sense, all of these people are driven by pride in one way or another. Yeah. So here's my here's my straight pride. Maleficent, which seems like a just a slam dunk.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Sher Khan, Prince mm-hmm. John, the Horned King, Radigan, Ursula, Gaston, Jafar, Ratcliffe, Isma, to Wait, who's to See, I've written some of these down, and I don't know who they are. <laughs> so, it shows you how well I remember some of these movies.
1: And Conti's from—he's uh, from, the—he's
0: the the head alien, right? From yeah, um, Lilo and Stitch. Stitch, yes. Doctor Facilier, Prince Hans, Bellwether, and then again, I have Namari there because I wasn't sure whether she belonged under Pride, Avarice, or none of the above. Yeah. Okay. See, I had um.
1: I, I think you're right that Ursula probably does fall under pride, especially by your definition of, of the want of power. I had her as Envy because I felt envy like... Envy too, yeah. She, especially she if you know
0: to... the backstory that she's Triton's sister. Yeah, if, that, she... if that had been explicit in the movie, I think it would be really clear that she was envious.
1: Yeah. I didn't I I didn't remember that, but I still put her as Envy because there, there is a point in the movie where she really wants... It seems like she's really after Triton more than just after power, but it's hard yeah. to tell. Yeah. Okay, so um, we mostly I'll, in agreement. You put way more villains on there, and found villains that I never would have even considered villains. Like, uh, I tried
0: the, to find one for every movie, although like I, I, mean I left one off. <laughs> <laughs> or man, they are the villains? Right? Man from Bambi. <laughs> hey, you know what? When um, what's that organization that rates movies? The AFI. When they uh-huh. when they put out their list of top ten movie villains, man was on there he's one of the the top 10 villains in movie history man from Bambi (laughs) but see I don't I I have a hard time seeing that those men are are motivated by anything other than just being human beings right which is to say all seven of them all right well I like that question a lot it really made me um it really made me think about some of these and I, I tried to look for some um I tried to look for some like progress it seemed to me that a lot of 90s movies had avarice. 90s and early 2000s movies had avarice, but then again, the second movie you have Stromboli, who's definitely right. yeah. driven by avarice. Yeah. So,
1: so I, I thought, so you you said your top two by number are uh, pride and envy. Correct. Yeah, and I see. I said my top two by um just quality of the villains is pride and envy so we're we're in agreement that those are to answer the question which is the best driver for a disney animated villain pride or envy and whether that is because of just the sheer numbers meant that uh that the, the best ones were also in there just by probability or <laughs> or it really was you know that,
0: that's the best but either way it worked out so. I had not even considered that al- alternate reading of best. I just I just assumed he was asking which one had the most. But you're right, and and but I agree that the, the best villains are under those two categories. The the ones who aren't tend to be. There's some exceptions, but they yeah, tend to be kind stuff. of. They they tend to be kind of um. Uh, comic relief villains. They tend to yeah. be Captain Hook or the Queen of Hearts or Cruella De Vil. Who's a cool villain, but you know, not. Not one that's going to uh, shake you to your bones. Yeah, for sure. But I think we can all agree the best villain, Carnotaurus. (laughs) <laughs> did you remember that was the villain of dinosaur i had to click I on i had to click on the link for dinosaur and look and see what the villain of that movie was i did not i had
1: no memory of that whatsoever
0: <laughs> i remember very little about that movie i'm glad to say really, i
1: as as we're talking about it now i could kind of remember that there is a villain but in my mind i was mostly thinking it was just more about their their they're trying to survive I, I wasn't really remember that 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 there was a villain. Kind of in a similar way to Raya, where I, just, I don't think of it as a villain, even though I'm much more familiar with Raya, you know, like it's more the survival of the world is a little more important than whatever the villains up to,
0: you know. Maybe um, maybe there's a sense in which dinosaurs, the prefiguration of the imperial era of Disney
1: It could be. Yeah, I'd have to go back and watch it. To,
0: to decide. You're not going to do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> There are a few movies. Subject yourself to dinosaur. <laughs>
1: there are a few movies that we watch that I probably will not uh, will not uh, watch again. All right. Um, <clears throat> so, bonus question from my daughter. So, in uh, Moana, you may remember that Maui says um, to uh, Moana <laughs> that if you wear a dress and you have an animal sidekick, you're a princess. So, is Madame Medusa? A Disney
0: princess. (laughs) Surely he means, and you're on the side of good. (laughs) That's a great question. What did you tell her? i said well i guess
1: she fits the definition there's only two constraints on that definition so i guess
0: i look i look forward to seeing her join the (laughs) disney princess line can you imagine the little girls dressing up as madame medusa
1: yep they're pet alligators all right um so our next section is uh our major awards and we're gonna we're gonna do this uh, draft style, right, Michael? This is kind of how we're gonna work this
0: out. Yeah, I mean, we're supposed to, I suppose, provide one for each, but I had trouble na- I had trouble narrowing some of these down. Yeah, so we'll, I just, have... we'll 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 give our we'll go through draft style and give our choices, and then kind of see if we can come to a conclusion about who the best one is. Yeah, who who wins the draft? <laughs> All right, so. Um,
1: so basically, in the in the draft style, you're you're picking your best, the the one you think is best first, right? Um And yeah. then, and then uh, I'll either be mad that you took mine, or I'll be happy that you did not take mine, and I'll and I'll and I'll draft my top uh, villain, and then we'll you know we'll just work down the line until we kind of run out of nominees. Um, right. Right. And we have and we no, can we
0: can kind of convince try to convince each other if we've if we've got a different pick for number one.
1: Right, and we have no um uh we have no set number of
0: nominees here we just we're just kind of uh
1: this nor have we
0: discussed this at all i we discussed it to say we were going to split one of the categories into two right but other than that i have no idea who you're going to pick other than just knowing you and having talked to talked to you about all these movies yes
1: yeah okay um and the person who said in these some of these questions i think these were from joe um usually would put like male female or other are we going to split it into all that like, are we, going we can just put to it in a
0: male and female. I I don't have any anybody on here who I would consider an other. I have some who are animals, but they have names and genders, so I'll continue to call them male okay. or female, as it were. Okay. I don't think I uh, I I mean I guess like the Carnotaurus would be other, but the Carnotaurus sucks. And it's not going to make my <laughs> list of best best villains. You know what I mean,
1: <laughs> right? Maybe, perhaps worst villain. But I, I'll be honest. Um, I didn't really do the worst. I just did the best. So, if we if we want to draft worsts, then you know I'll probably just agree with whatever you say. Or maybe we can do that in the lightning round if we have you know something that we want to add. So. Uh, okay. Okay. So the so, best uh, female villain. Should we start with females?
0: Yeah. And, just, and we split the we split the villains into serious and comedic because it doesn't seem fair to um it doesn't seem fair to judge those two things by the same standard right like how does a serious villain compete with a comedic, comedic villain so we'll have best female serious villain best female comedic villain best male serious villain versus best male comedic villain so you want right. to start with female serious
1: uh yeah sure let's do that
0: okay so my number one pick maleficent probably the best villain overall in disney maleficent is terrifying and um incredibly well designed and well acted um and she she says something that i every day i would like to say in my class which is silence you fools
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right good pick and i i kind of knew it was going to be your number one i kind of knew all right um yeah, you know the, the the difference between you and I with um Sleeping Beauty is uh I you're just way like I watched it for our sh- I'd seen it before and I watched it for our show but it's not like embedded in like deep in my mind like it is for you like you must have watched it way more as a kid or it just i did watch it a lot as a kid as a kid or something so like um even though i knew you were gonna pick maleficent like it it wasn't a bother to me because i I just like she's not at the top of my list because it's just i don't have that same emotional attachment um
0: well it works out really well though
1: yes so my number one pick i think for a serious villain is uh ursula
0: she was my number two yeah make your case for ursula
1: so I mean, she's actually. So what I like about Ursula is she she does have a little bit of um, the the light side as well, which makes her just kind of a, a fun villain. Um, even though she's definitely not comedic, but she's you know her you know she's got the she's got a great song, and but man she's she's wicked. <laughs> she's really wicked, you know, um, just the way she. Uh, swoops in you know goes back on her promises turns people into little uh (laughs) seaweeds or whatever they are yeah she's she's bad news you don't want to mess with her (laughs) it's a
0: and a a really bravura vocal performance from pat carroll for that part Mm -hmm. apparently melissa mccarthy plays her in the new live action version i can't imagine her doing a tenth of the job that pat carroll did
1: yeah that's hard to imagine I I'm not planning on watching that. So
0: <laughs> no, I can't imagine I'll ever see it. I hope so. I hope not. Uh, I hope I'll never see it. Yeah. My next one was lady Tremaine, the evil stepmother from Cinderella, who's a, mm-hmm. a very different kind of villain, right? She has no kind of supernatural powers. She's not over the top. She's very cold and calculating and um, the animation on her in the character design are really, really terrific. So it's a very realistic villain, as opposed to some of the other ones that we'll talk about. I'm sure. Um, I, I think she's she's terrific as well. Am I making it up that she's played by the same woman who plays Maleficent?
1: Oh, I you'd have to look that up on on the internet because I do not know. But it's an excellent. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good choice.
0: Lady the woman's Tremaine. name I think is Eleanor. Let me see here. I don't care about who her spouses are. Voiced by Eleanor Audley, and Eleanor Audley also played Maleficent. So apparently, I have a I have a type of woman whom I'm afraid
1: of. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. There's a uh, there's a real drop there, isn't there? In the uh, the the type of villain that we're talking about already, you know, from Maleficent and Ursula, these like. Extremely supernaturally powerful beings to uh Lady Tremaine who's who is terrifying.
0: Who's, who's still terrifying, right? Like you you feel like you feel like uh you might have dated her daughter or something in college and um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she's she's terrifying because she seems like a real person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I think a- we're what I well what I'm getting at here is I think the the female villains I just feel like there's a lot less of them
0: like I feel like oh, that's true and the, there's there's certainly fewer comedic female villains I only ended up with two of those do you have another serious female villain who you'd like to well, nominate?
1: yeah, I guess if I'm gonna take a, a second one, I, it would be Madame Medusa, I guess, although she mm-hmm. can easily be uh, comedic. She works um, that line. Yeah, she works that line, but if if I need a second, I'll I'll go with Madame Medusa just because what. I mean that that rescuers movie is is great and we both really like it and it's quirky and weird and it is very dark if you think about it. You <laughs> hard, yeah. you know. Um and it and the movie does a great job of of uh of walking that line where you can watch it as a kid and not be terrified by the darkness of what is going on, um, but also watch it as an adult and be like, Wow, Madame Medusa is a very, very evil person, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: yeah and and
1: children into dark terrible places in order to uh retrieve a diamond so Uh,
0: the the only other one i had was the evil queen um who's not my favorite disney villain but there is that moment in snow white where she looks right at the camera and and laughs uh evilly maliciously and Mm -hmm. it's a it's a great scene and it's it's really pretty scary especially when you're a kid and so I felt like she deserved she deserves some sort of spot on any list of best female villains in Disney movies just because she's the OG.
1: Yes, absolutely. Now, what's amazing, actually, about that is, um, I guess between her and Maleficent and then uh, Lady Tremaine, um, you really have the, like, stereotypical villain, <laughs> you know, like, between those three. Like the evil stepmother, um, very powerful, very cold, you know, like, like that's like, that's the, even though we're only talking about, uh, you know, one twelfth of the canon, you know, or less than that for just those three, right. One of the canon. Uh, they really, I feel like they, they have the hold on the imaginations of like, if you just say evil villain, like, you know, the evil stepmother is the thing that comes to mind, you know?
0: Yeah. I I imagine a lot of people conflate the evil queen and Lady Tremaine and to some extent Maleficent. In fact, if they're just, if they're just kind of thinking about old Disney movies. Right.
1: Yep. All right. Since you went for number three, I guess I'll go for a number three um, and I'll put the mom from uh, 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 Tangled in there as well.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Who's, who's another kind of terrifyingly, Realistic, yeah. Stockholm syndrome type villain. Yep. All
1: right. Should we uh, stick with the um, the evil and go to men, or should we stick with the females and go to comedic? <laughs> Which
0: way let's do you want? Com- let's go to the comedic female villain. Okay. And I'll let you start this one since I started the other one. Okay.
1: Um, I'm going to go right out out the door with uh, Cruella here because
0: 100.
1: I just feel like she is. You know, before we split the category, I almost had her just as my number one period. Like, I know she's not as frightening. She's after puppies and not children. She doesn't have the supernatural powers. Um, Like, that movie is just a much smaller movie in scope and scale, but... What a performance. What a, like What a like! how memorable is Cruella DeVille? Like her lines, the way she acts, putting out her cigarettes and the uh, cupcakes she's offered, um, <laughs> driving like a maniac down the uh, road. Everything about her is just, I mean, her, yeah, just, she is, she's a classic.
0: So she has, I think a pretty good claim of being the best Disney villain. I would put her up there with Maleficent and my pick for male serious, just in terms of, um, just like overall best villain, she's she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes, she, she was my number one as well, and my number two was Isma from um, from uh, The Emperor's New
1: Groove. Yes, yep, and. Some Isma, I think, owes a lot to Cruella, so it makes sense. Yeah. yeah, Um, As does Madame Medusa, actually. So, like, I think I think all all three of those, you know, they're cut from kind of the same cloth. But as you said,
0: uh, Cruella is uh, kind of the OG on that one. So, well, Madame Medusa was supposed to be Cruella. Um, the the original plan when they made the rescuers was to have. Corella DeVille be the villain and instead they they have Madame Medusa who is in some ways an exp for her. I, I think it was probably best they didn't do Corella. I think it would change the way we think about de Deville for
1: All her right. to kidnap
0: children. Yes. I mean trying to kill ninety nine puppies is one thing.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, the only one that's left over as far as I know, but you've, well, I guess I could go the mean elephants in Dumbo. <laughs> 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 um, They're yeah, We've got the queen of hearts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's really it was, it.
0: definitely a comedic villain, but it's so one note that I, I would find it difficult to vote for her.
1: Yeah. I'd, I wouldn't even take her number two, except I don't know that there's anybody else in the, in the pile to draw from.
0: Am I forgetting someone? I don't think so. I, I I looked hard at that one. There, I, there's a, there's a lot more um, comedic male villains. Yeah, let's talk about those.
1: Let's. Okay. My number to,
0: one, and I wasn't comedic wasn't male. Sh, wasn't. Sh, yeah. So this is comedic male. My number okay. one comedic male villain is the bowler hat guy, <laughs> um, which is it might be a controversial pick because he's not exactly a villain in the in the grand scheme of the movie. Right. The whole the whole point of the movie is that he doesn't have to be a bad guy. But um, I, I find that character to be very, very funny. The, the character designs, hilarious. Um, he's well animated. And the fact that he, you know, the the twist in that movie, which I guess it's possible that somebody is listening to this who hasn't already listened to our episode on um, Mita Robinson's, um, the twist in that movie gives that character a pathos that I think makes him really effective as a character. So I've got the bowler hat guy uh, and his secret identity uh, as my number one comedic male villain.
1: I love it. That's that's a real dark horse pick, but I, I really like it. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Captain Hook as my number one. I feel like he's just, he's a classic, uh, very comedic, not really all that terrifying, but um, just the best <laughs> at what he does, I guess. A huge, a huge
0: <laughs> performance.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Similar
0: to Hook in look-
1: some ways, as far as just the very, like, over-the-top... You know, like just completely wild, out of control. Uh, you know, um, similar in that in that sense. Very cartoony, I guess.
0: Um, I had him as my number two, and then my number three is the sheriff of Nottingham, who you know would be a great character played by anybody probably, but played by Pat Buttram with that ridiculous, distinctive Pat Buttram voice is iconic, as the young people say. Yeah. Old bushel britches. Old bushel britches. <laughs> See, the Sheriff of Nottingham, he, he, would,
1: he is high on my list as well, as is, I guess I'll take um, Prince John. Um, because I wasn't sure, you know, which one of those is the evil sidekick. <laughs>
0: right. I, uh, I feel like both of those are main villains, and then Sir Hiss is the sidekick.
1: Yeah, there you go.
0: So, um i'll i'll take it I'll, I'll, i'm with you on that one so just like i would say king louis is a villain um in the jungle book and also shere khan is a villain and neither one of them is each other's sidekick right yeah and Ka is kind of a villain you
1: know right a little bit but yeah none of them are working for each other so all right
0: did you have any other comedic male villains? i don't i don't have a number three no need. I had a number 3 but um, Captain Hook was my number 2 so okay let's do uh let's do serious male villain and you can start this one
1: all right my serious male villain is uh Scar from That's my number 1 too wow yeah so uh, i just think he's uh, he's he's played brilliantly um who's the name of the actor that that does him? jeremy irons jeremy irons yes i knew that and uh um obviously animated um by uh andreas deja who we've, you know talked about so many times on this show i'm still not sure if i'm pronouncing his name right after all this time but um i, I just i think he's he's just a wonderful like he's he's obviously a serious male villain because he uh um, you know, kills his brother in cold blood. Um, but he also, uh, he's got that very dry sense of humor and, uh, yeah, it's kind of, uh, what did the, um, what did the, the hyenas say about him? <laughs> you know, that he's kind of, uh, he's, he's charming or he's, he's classy or something like that. I forget what they say, but I, I, I feel like he's, he's a great villain.
0: So, I mean, one of the things about him is he's that that movie is based on Hamlet. So he's Claudius, but he is so much more he's much more Iago from Othello than he is Claudius from Hamlet. because in in Hamlet, Claudius is this he, he he's kind of namby-pamby. He can't make up his mind about what he wants to do. Like he kills his brother, but he never he never like chews the scenery about how great he is for doing it. Mm -hmm. And it it, it does seem to me that Scar belongs more in the Iago flamboyant, flamboyantly evil villain category than Claudius, um, which it's not a complaint. Like Scar, I I agree, is the best um, the best male villain. My number two is Mm -hmm. Frollo, again, is is more of a Lady Tremaine type in that he he's pitched On the on the kind of big side of realistic, you can imagine this person who has too much power in 19th century Paris and abuses it for his own ends. You can imagine the way you can imagine people treating people the way he treats um, the way he treats Quasimodo, the way he treats the the Romani in that uh, in that movie. Um, So I I think Frollo is a really good, uh, really good villain as well. Mm hmm
1: excellent choice um i'm going with jafar for my number 2 um i just think he's uh I, I don't know he's he stands out in that movie you know in aladdin as just you know like he's so every everybody else is so bubbly and he's so like slim and straight and like <laughs> it's not just the way he's drawn but like he just you know he's he's sta- he's he's a part in that movie and in a, in a very like uh I don't know, just an evil way, I guess, to make him a villain. But like, there's there's a power in his presence that isn't there with the rest of the characters. You know, even the genie. He's, um, he's cool,
0: right? Like he's yeah, he's removed he's cool. from everything. Yeah. So that when he loses his temper at the end of the movie, like you feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, a awesome. lot of a lot of my villains are like that. Um, because my number three is Shere Khan who um who again is you know kind of defined by his aloofness. Yes. Another guy with a British accent who uh who who speaks very calmly, just like Scar, just like Frollo, just like um just like Jafar for that matter. Yeah. Maybe it's cheating to have Scar and Sher Khan both on there.
1: I don't think so. I mean it's different movies, different different uh different style of villain really. Um you know, Shere Khan is, in some ways, is is really just a jungle cat. <laughs> you know, like he's not really a a stand-in for for humanity the way that Lion King is kind of a stand-in for humanity. You know, um, so yeah. Um, all right. Well, since you took Shere Khan, I'm gonna go with uh, Gaston from uh, Beauty and the Beast as my number three. Just uh, you know, he gets so caught up in his own. Um, self in <laughs> his pride i guess you know um, as we mentioned earlier that like he's just really uh he loses it and he's out there fighting the beast and you know there's there's a moment where it almost appears he's gonna win you know because he is so um uh i don't know so proficient as a hunter i guess you know it seems like he's really and and the beast has kind of given up he's so heartbroken at that point and uh, yeah he's i feel like of all the villains he's the one that's like it really like they it teeters on the edge of like oh is Gaston actually going to going to win this battle and then and then of course he gets the classic uh villain death too of falling off a high place so <laughs> <laughs>
0: I feel you know, like that's it's gotta, interesting. It's
1: got to count for something when you're talking about best villains, you know.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like for most of the movie, he's a comedic villain. It's not. It's not until the mob song where um, Gaston really becomes the equal of somebody like Scar or Sher Khan, right? Because certainly yeah. his villain song, which we'll, and we'll talk about villain songs in just a moment. Certainly, his villain song is a comedic song as opposed to something like "Be Prepared."
1: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, he is a bit on the line, but I feel like his turn at the end. And I feel like part of that why he's on the line is because that movie is so well put together. I mean, Beauty and the Beast, I don't know where you rank it, but it's it's very high in my rankings. And I think it's just beautifully put together because at the beginning, like, I mean, you know, obviously the, the story is Beauty and the Beast. So like there is a sense in which you kind of know that the Beast is going to turn good. But um you, at that that beginning, while Gaston is the is the comedic, um, you know the Beast is in, at his most t- terrifying. You know, you feel like the Beast is the villain, and then they, you know, they kind of switch places there. Not switch places, but Gaston feels the fills the vacuum after you realize the Beast is not the villain. Right, right.
0: Well, the only other person I had on here was Doctor Facilier from um, from um princess and the frog and i I like that character because they've got this guy who thinks he's in control as so many of these villains do and it turns out at the end that in fact the forces he thought he was in control of were actually in control of him you actually get a very similar motion with scar and the hyenas scar thinks he's got them under his under his thumb under his paw i guess But uh, but actually he doesn't. um, Doctor Facilier does something very similar, and uh, I think he's a a great villain, greatly portrayed by Keith David. I agree. Yeah. Did you have anybody else?
1: I did not. No, that that worked out nicely.
0: That worked. Yeah, we agreed. We agreed about uh, some of these being the number one. So that's good. Mm Mhm. All right.
1: Um. I'm wondering, do we want to uh, add evil sidekicks into the uh, lightning round, or do we want to go go deep in that on that one?
0: Uh, we can do this in the lightning round. That's fine.
1: Okay. All right. Well, let's move into some music then, um, and talk about villain songs since we started talking about that already now for this, I didn't talk to you about this beforehand, but I feel like there's villain songs, meaning the, the, the villain themselves sings it. And then there's, there's uh, like kind of songs about villains <laughs> that maybe we can just do as well, I mean, it's, I think they're fine to draft if you want to draft them, but I didn't know if you wanted to draft or if we wanted to just throw songs about villains as almost like a, you know, honorable
0: mention type thing. So I definitely have both of those in this list, so I'm fine doing it however you'd like to do it.
1: No, you 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 draft however you want. You're the you you've got the first pick, so um I just I was just throwing that out there. So go ahead. Your you know pick, what? I've I'm got
0: seven songs on here. I had I had trouble um filing down the songs. So let's do it. Those two different categories: songs sung by villains versus songs about villains. Okay. Um, and so my number one song sung by a villain, villain song as such, is Be Prepared by Scar, um, which is an amazing song with an incredible lyric um, that is is super intricate and well put together. And, the, uh, of course, it's one of the best animated sequences in the Disney Renaissance, which is to say one of the best animated sequences of all time. Um, Be Prepared is my number one.
1: Yes, I could not agree more that, that would have been my number 1 you took my number 1 for sure on that one so um yeah we're in, we're in complete agreement um so i'm going to put uh poor unfortunate souls as my number
0: 1 um, my number 2 yeah
1: we already talked about uh um ursula but man what it, it's a great song another another great sequence you know um yeah ursula just owns that scene so it's really one of the, i think one of the best songs in the movie and maybe one of the best songs in the canon, honestly. Um, I don't know if I have it in my top five, but that's um, just a really well, well done, well done performance. Well done song.
0: Uh, next up, I've got Gaston, which is a different kind of villain song in that it's primarily funny. unlike those two, mm-hmm. um, but it uses a lot of the same sorts of wordplay you get. It's a Howard Ashman song. So it's really, really, really well put together. I assume Gaston is also on your list.
1: It absolutely was. It was not my uh, next one, but um, let's see. I think... So my wife gave I'm gonna throw a curveball in here. My wife gave me this one because I was talking about how um I really like the song Prince Ali and she mentioned that Jafar does a bit of a Prince Ali reprise. Um he does indeed. And so I said, Oh, that's a really good villain song. So I'm I'm gonna throw that on my list as the next one since you took Gaston. I think the Prince Ali reprise <laughs> is a really good villain song.
0: <laughs> my um my next one is Friends on the Other Side, which is Dr. Um uh, Dr. Facilier's song from The Princess and the Frog um, mm-hmm. So, th- for all the same reasons that I said I like Dr. Facilier I love his villain song and it, it does a good deal to uh, to be prepared as well
1: yep and then uh, alright I'll, I'll round us out here with um, I'm not sure what to go with I think I'm going to go with Mother Knows Best from Tangled um, although I could be talked into a couple other songs but uh, it's uh it's terrible it's 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 it's, uh it's the best villain song because it's catchy and it's also like um just so subversive in the worst way (laughs) it's just really terrible You should listen to your mother, and so why do we have a Disney villain singing about how you should listen to your mother?
0: It's very terrible, but it's it's a catchy song, <laughs> nevertheless. But <laughs> do you do you want to do songs about villains? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I think. Well, um,
0: why don't you start? Why don't you start that one? Well, there's one
1: major one um, that's, I think, you're probably you're on your mind as well as mine, and it's Cruella de Vil. Like, it's, 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 that's that's the song. <laughs> so that's definitely my number one. I, lo- I love that song. I sing it all the time. It
0: actually wasn't my number one. Oh, okay. Um, my number one is The Phony King of England, the Which song was... about Prince John.
1: Yep, that was my number two, so there we go. Oh, gotcha. <laughs>
0: uh, you know, when I teach about Prince John or King John he in in my history class I try to get the students to tell me everything that's wrong with the phony king of England <laughs> too late to be known as John the 1st he's the only, he is John the 1st he's the only John anyway he's, he's known for passing laws the thing everybody knows about him is he passed the magna carta who cares it's an amazing song it starts off with lady cluck screaming in a scottish accent yes it's got um it's got phil harris mhm it does have phil harris Photo King of England's a uh, a great song. Yeah,
1: I think I think you got a great pick there. Even though it was number two, I think you got a great pick. So,
0: do you have another one?
1: I do not. That was that was one. pretty much it. Oh, you do. All right, yeah, go for it.
0: The other one I have is the Headless Horseman from um, from Ichabod and Mister Mister Toad, the uh, the the Bing Crosby song about uh, where Br- Bram Bones is trying to scare Ichabod into leaving town um, by singing about this headless horseman
1: that is an excellent
0: choice (laughs) did we talk about this at the time do you think that the headless horseman is bram bones or do you think there's a real headless horseman
1: oh man i don't know i'd have to watch it again but it seems like in my memory there's a real headless
0: horseman (laughs) i I was so afraid of. i'm sure we talked about this how afraid of that sequence i was yeah. If, you, if you can reach the bridge, my friend, the, the ghost is gone. His power ends. <laughs> I remember um, when I took my Ph.D. Uh, comps, comprehensive exams, I made a comment about being afraid of um, being afraid of Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And my, my professor said, you must have seen the Disney movie when you were a kid. Because the, the story itself is not scary. Um, it's certainly not as scary as that sequence in the movie. Now I want to go watch that. Yeah, that's
1: that, that's one I would not mind revisiting. So. <laughs> all right. From hill from heroes to villain or some from villains to heroes, I guess. Um, all right. Do we want to do a uh, hero song and then heroine songs or do we want to just lump
0: them together? Lump them together. So this is tough, right? Because what do we mean by hero song? Um, I, I took this to mean the I want songs that are typical of the of the Renaissance films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I'm not sure that I know another song. I, I mean, I guess something like what, um, What's the why should I worry? But he's not not the hero. So I don't know. I, I feel like um, other than the Disney Renaissance uh, movies, there's not there's not a lot of these movies where somebody just like lays out what their goals are. Right, um, in a song. So all three of the ones I came up with are Renaissance movies, and I assume neither of us picked uh, "Let It Go."
1: Uh, I definitely did not pick.
0: <laughs> so my number one is "Bell." Okay, great choice. Which is, uh, I guess, it's a hero song. It's it's it is an "I Want" song. It, I, of course, it's a hero song. It's her singing about herself, and everybody in the town singing about her in a song that has her name as its title. So yes. I don't know what else it would be if it wasn't a hero song. That is an amazing song. Um it, it has all these little movements in it. The melody's beautiful like like every song in Beauty and the Beast. Uh it's just it's just an amazing song. Yes.
1: 100% agree with you. Um yeah. I so I have all the songs on my list are the I want song except for one which is going to be my number one pick and that is uh I am Moana Song of the Ancestors. Um I think that song is just so good <laughs> and i love it and it's not her i want song because her i want song is more at the beginning of the movie i forget what it's called um but this is more like that uh you know when she's with her grandma on the ship and is coming to her coming into her heroism i guess and so there's uh, it, i think it still fits as a hero song even though it's not the i want song and i just i love it
0: uh my number two is part of your world from The Little mermaid Mm-hmm. Which is a very similar song to Bell, or I suppose I should say that Bell is a very similar song to it. I often find myself humming one of them, and it slides imperceptibly into the other,
1: which is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: I'll take, I'll take that. Doesn't bother me.
1: Yep. All right, my number two, I already mentioned uh, in the villains, but uh, the Prince Ali. Uh, fabulous, he Ali uh, Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, think it's, I guess it's not. I guess that's not really his "I Want" song either. I lied on my last one. I said they were all "I Want" songs, and it's not because his "I Want" song is the uh, one step ahead of the
0: the whatever. One jump ahead, which is yeah, actually my um, my number three song. So. Okay,
1: yeah, that that uh, movie is just so packed full of great songs. Like it was, it was yeah. hard to pick out of it. So, okay, yeah. So your number three is one jump ahead.
0: Yeah. What's your number three
1: um, I think I'm gonna go with uh, almost there from uh, uh, Princess and the Frog and uh, that's
0: a great song yeah
1: it's a great song and the sequence is one of the most memorable of all the movies that we watched so I feel like
0: it's uh, that, that that puts it over the sequence it's in puts it over the top. awesome. All right. That went well. Yeah. Felt okay. Like
1: now we are at what is perhaps the most difficult
0: category of all. Oh, I had so much trouble with this. I have is, so many more than I'm supposed to give you. Yes. Okay. So this is the. And top. I stopped at like 1995, too. Like, I, I didn't <laughs> even go into the 21st century. Because <laughs> well, I was like, I'm never going to be able to get this down to five. Right. Right.
1: Well, that's funny. Okay, so then I think I'll, uh, we will uh, we'll overlap nicely then because the, uh, there's a number that I have on here that are, are from the later movies. So, uh.
0: You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cut out ones that we've already talked about.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: That's fair. Now I only have seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, I only have two too many. Okay, I'm number one on this one. Yeah, you can go number. Oh, we didn't announce the category.
1: Oh, it's the top
0: five songs. Period. Yeah, yeah,
1: just period. Period. Full stop. Top five songs. Full stop. But we're taking out the songs that we've already mentioned. Right. Okay. Because some of those songs could easily be in this top five, but we'll we'll take them out. Hey, b-
0: before you do your before you do your top five, I'm going to give my two honorable mentions. Okay. Um, and that'll cut me down to five. Okay so my two honorable mentions as songs i don't know that they're top 5 but like the melodies they're 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 two of the most beautiful melodies that have ever been in a disney movie i hum them all the time one is the second star to the right from peter pan the second star to the right shines uh, in the night for choice. you yeah great choice and the other one is oh okay. th- is that actually on your list no it's not but that is a great okay. choice good And then the other one is All in the Golden Afternoon, which is the song that the flowers sing to Alice in Alice in the Wonderland. The the lyrics are silly. It's a stupid song. The melody is so pretty. I have somewhere a piano and cello arrangement of All in the Golden Afternoon, and it really brings out how gorgeous that melody is and how... I don't want to say wasted, but it it is like if if that melody were in a classical piece, I think um, I think it would be considered one of the great melodies of all time. But instead, it's like a third tier song in a (laughs) a second tier Disney movie. But I love I love both of those those melodies, if not necessarily the songs. Okay, start with your top five.
1: All right. Um, All right. My number one. Man, I, I had such a hard time with this. I really don't know. I, I feel like I could change my mind very easily. And I feel like this is maybe too uh recency bias. Probably is too recency bias, but I'm gonna put we don't talk about Brino, that's my number one. <laughs>
0: this is good because like my latest one is 1994
1: (laughs) right yeah when you mentioned that i was like oh okay we're we're gonna be good on this but yeah i just uh, you know i went back and i listened to a bunch of songs today and i just that that song is so catchy like i just it's just undeniable it's a
0: great song yeah
1: it's just undeniable and so i'm I'm gonna go with it number one we don't talk about bruno yell at your podcast players i don't care
0: My wife told me when I told her we had this category, she said, if you don't include Under the Sea, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and I said, Well, I'm doing it wrong because the Little Mermaid song I've included is Kiss the Girl. Um, which I think is the superior song in The Little Mermaid, as mm-hmm. good as Under the Sea is. Um Kiss the Girl is just absolutely beautiful.
1: Yes. Yep. I had I had both on my potential list. Um I was really like like I said, I'm really like struggling <laughs> to figure out like which one you know which ones am i gonna actually put on there but yes uh that's that is kiss kiss the girl is the one that came to my mind first and then my my daughter who was watching me like kind of think through this she's like but what about under the sea don't you really like under the sea and i was like oh i do like under the sea (laughs) so (laughs) but yeah kiss the girl came to mind first for me as well um okay man okay Knowing that you're all late makes this a little easier because I know I'm not going to like step on your uh, step on your toes with with some of these. So um, I'm going to go with uh, I'll make a man out of you from uh, Mulan. Wow. Just, just incredibly catchy. Just incredibly catchy. <laughs> and
0: Victoria's in about- <laughs> going to be so happy when she hears this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> My number two is the Bear Necessities from uh from the jungle book.
1: Yeah, that was the that one was dancing on my number two or number three line. And I kind of I kind of I kinda of did the I'll make a man out of you not to step on your toes. Tell us about the bear necessities.
0: <laughs> Why is it so well funny? I mean it's you you gotta have a Phil Harris song, I feel. You know, he's got he's got three of the all-time greats um in disney movies that and uh everybody wants to be a cat which i don't like very i, I mean I, li- I don't like that movie but the song is good and then um the phony king of england which i've already mentioned i might like the phony king of england better on most days but as i've already mentioned that in villain songs i feel like the, this is the place to put the bear necessities which is uh, just the perfect expression of that character not just blue the bear but the whole phil harris persona from 1940s and 1950s radio um basically anybody Phil Harris ever played could sing that song and it would make just as much. Absolutely. Yeah. Great.
1: It's just, just, just a great, great song. Yes. All right. Um, all right. Well, with my number three, then I'm going to go with, uh, just because I love the message. I love the sequence. I love the song. I love, I love everything about it. I'm going to go with dig a little deeper from, uh, princess and the frog.
0: Wow, Princess of Frog, giving a lot of uh, a lot of love from you tonight.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm, I surprised myself, but like I said, I went back and listened to a lot of these, and I just that's that's where I'm at. So that's where I, that's that's where I landed today. <laughs> Maybe I'd land in a different place if we did, did the show next month, but this is where I am today. So uh,
0: my number number three is the much parodied Circle of Life and. One reason, you know, it's a great song is that even though it's been parodied so often, even though every single person our age has done a fake version of the African chant at the beginning of that song, still, every time you hear it, it raises the hairs on the back of your head or your back of your neck. Um, that's a that's a, a, a really amazing song that lays out the, the, the concept of the movie really well, in addition to being catchy and moving.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, an absolutely amazing song that... Yeah. Well, yeah. That's that, that's a really good one. You're making my life a little easier because uh if are we going to keep going, we're going to do 5 for each of us? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We'll do 5. Yeah, I
1: feel like we're going to be able to mention so many songs, but yes, like <laughs> all these ones you're mentioning I'm
0: like, "Oh yeah,
1: I really wanted that one on my list too." So um <clears throat> all right, for number 4, I'm going to go I talked about this as the highlight of the movie at the time, I think when we did this episode, I'm going to do "Love Is an Open Door" from Frozen. I just there's there's something about the harmony in that song. I don't know what it is. I cannot explain it. But when they sing that line, "Love Is an Open Door" in harmony, it is just it it. I love it. I love it so much.
0: <laughs> that is the song from Frozen. I would have included if I'd included a song from Frozen. That, that's to me really self evidently the best song from frozen. Um my number 4 is Pink Elephants on Parade. It wouldn't be a extended discussion of Disney without an ex- without a discussion of the <laughs> Disney Acid Trip and Pink Elephants on Parade is the original one and maybe still the best.
1: Oh yes, it's so good. Uh I guess
0: it's not the original one. Fantasia comes before it. But Pink yeah. Elephants on Parade's amazing. Yeah.
1: And the Fantasia movie's kind of rule themselves out of this category. Like I mean there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's obviously some are you gonna songs say in the Fantasia movies, but <laughs> I think I think we're both going for more uh the the songs with lyrics here. So pop pop songs. Pop songs, yes. Okay. Um oh man. My number five. This is it's it's so hard because there's so many good ones. Even even with both of us doing five, there's so many good ones. But I'm gonna go with uh friend like me which you kind of mentioned before but i don't think you fully went into friend like me right um i don't think friend, i mentioned sorry friend like you or
0: yeah what yeah i mentioned yeah, was friends
1: right. on the other side sorry that's right, that's right that's right yes 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 so i'm gonna go friend like me from from aladdin
0: and then um my last one is one i think a lot of people forget about but which is really a beautiful song um love is a song from bambi
1: oh yeah oh. I did kind of forget about that one. I
0: feel Bambi like you never does, hear anybody talk about it, but I, I I think, again, it's a song that, like, Circle of Life lays out the whole idea of the movie mm-hmm. um, and does so in a very beautiful and moving way.
1: Yeah, I think Lion King owns, owes so much to Bambi. I think Bambi is the movie that they were, you know, rightly uh, chasing after with Lion King. If you watch 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 those two next to each other, and you'll see a lot of parallels, so... Um, yeah. Love is a song. Great pick. There's in those early movies, there's so many like kind of just beautiful, 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 beautiful songs. Like, I mean, the ones you already mentioned in your honorable mention there. And then I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you got one from the really early movies in there, because, yeah, like I said, going to, going through this. Uh, this afternoon was so much fun but it was also like so hard (laughs) it's it's good that
0: you had the recency bias and i had the childhood bias
1: yeah yeah it worked out well but there but like literally i have so many more songs that i'm just like that i at least looked at or thought about or it came into my mind you know um from those early movies as well because like yeah i just i really love it so that was really fun i love that all right Should we hit a lightning round real quick? This episode's going long, I feel like.
0: (laughs) It's a good thing we're not trying to do all the categories in one episode. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. All right, yeah, let's let's get through this quickly.
1: All right. um, So best evil sidekick. um, And then there's also best unthreatening villain sidekick. So, yeah. Yeah um i don't i don't know i think this is a little hard for me i feel like uh there there have been a lot of great evil sidekicks but um yeah i just i didn't know maybe uh we we talked we already kind of talked about him but like Sirhis or um um you know is he's not very threatening though i don't know if i need to put him in the unthreatening villain sidekick category. i think
0: you would have to say sir Hiss is unthreatening yeah <laughs> um sir has spins a fair fair <laughs> amount of that movie with his head in a helium balloon that's true
1: oh man i just i don't know um i feel like all the best see i guess what i'm struggling with is all the, my favorite evil sidekicks are the unthreatening ones
0: how about flotsam and jetsam
1: yeah flotsam and jetsam i have i have on there go go with that let's let's say
0: or the or the weasels
1: Oh, yeah. The I don't know
0: how threatening you find the weasels. Uh, you know, I encountered the weasels in Who Framed Roger Rabbit first, and they're much, much scarier in Who Framed Roger Rabbit than in, in Mr. Toad. Yeah. What about uh, un- unthreatening?
1: Unthreatening. I have, so I have three. I'll just throw them out there. They're not in any particular order. But Sir Hiss, who we just mentioned, Mr. Smee, or yeah, Mr.
0: Smee. Kronk. <laughs> oh, Kronk, yeah. Cronk, yeah crook is almost not even an evil sidekick no he isn't really (laughs) jasper and horace are the other ones i was thinking of besides mr smee
1: yeah yep i have them kind of listed on here i I just listed a bunch out i didn't really have a have a have a topic
0: i think think you might misunderstand the concept of the lightning (laughs) (laughs) round
1: All right. Among Disney songs and scores, which ones have the best instrumental and orchestral performances?
0: I don't know that I have an answer to this. Do you?
1: Um, Okay. So the first thing that came to mind is uh, 101 Dalmatians, which is very different than anything else. Like it's very jazzy.
0: Yeah, yeah. It is a good score.
1: I love the 101 Dalmatians score. But then, as we already kind of mentioned, those earlier movies, um, Alice in Wonderland came to mind. Uh, many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh came to mind. Peter Pan uh, came to mind, all, all three of which I think you mentioned. In, or I guess you didn't mention Winnie the Pooh. Um, Winnie the Pooh has the, the uh, Heffalumps and Woozles uh, song, which is similar to the Elephants on Parade. But, like, yeah, anyway, the, all, all, for those, the thing that makes it for me is the, the, uh, there's, like, the choral performance. So it's not really Best Instrumental Orchestral performance, but it's kind of in there, right? Does the choral performance count as orchestral? I don't know. Uh, me neither. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, those are the ones that jumped out to me. Like I just, I, just, I remember when we watched Alice in Wonderland just thinking like, um, and I'm glad you put that the, the flower song as, as one of your, um, all, all in the Golden Afternoon as one of your honorable mentions. Cause I just remember when we watched Alice in Wonderland thinking like, this is the most beautiful soundtrack. And none of the songs are amazing. Like they're they're not top tier Disney songs, but just the whole thing is just so beautiful. Is what I
0: And the the one everybody remembers is probably the weakest song in the whole thing. Um, the on birthday song, like that's, Mm -hmm. that's the one everybody remembers, but there's so many more songs than you. I I mean, that really struck me when we talked about that episode. I remember that there's probably 10, 12 songs in that movie. Mm
1: -hmm. All right. Um, evil sidekick song. Were there any, I couldn't think of any evil sidekick songs
0: i just had one and i didn't write it down and now i've forgotten it okay. shoot well i mean um you could say that uh you could say that i want to be like you although i i think i already argued that Louie is not a, a sidekick right shoot now i cannot remember who i had in mind for this Usually what you get is the evil sidekick is kind of singing along with like in Gaston, for example, or Mm -hmm. in um Be Prepared, The Hyenas are the the kind of backing chorus.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would think Gaston, but I mean we already we've already basically talked about that one. So but that's that's the closest I could think of as the evil sidekick song. So good sidekicks, on the other hand, there's there's several good sidekick songs. Most notably uh, we already talked about um little mermaid um under the sea if, but if sebastian is a good sidekick which i would say he is then he's got both kiss the girl and under the sea so
0: yeah i'm gonna he's, do you one better than under the sea though and here here again my wife can just be mad at me um be <laughs> our be our guest
1: oh yeah be our guest this is a great one that is a great I think
0: song. i think that's my favorite uh good sidekick song but under the sea i mean that's not to that's not, that's not to say anything bad about under the sea at all so yeah, that's a great song
1: yeah the other one that i'll give as an honorable mention because i'm not really sure where else to put it is uh meg's song i won't say i'm in love um she's not really a good sidekick yeah she's like a point, deuteragonist
0: protagonist De- deuter- yeah. yes. whatever the second protagonist is called De- yeah
1: deuteragonist yeah but it's a, it's a nice song it's. I think it's worth an honorable
0: mention. Or um, how about Uddalali um, from uh, from Robin Hood? Yes, Alan Dale is a character in the movie. Yeah,
1: I actually had Uddalali on my list of consideration for top five songs. Like I, wow. I like that song.
0: I like that song. You much. must really love the hamster dance.
1: It's no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Speaking of things that nobody under forty has ever heard of.
1: Now it's really what it is for me is when I was thinking through it, I was like, "What are the songs that I most often find myself humming or whistling or whatever?" And Udu I, I, it's, it's probably a weekly occurrence that I'm whistling that song, you know. So yeah, like,
0: that that or whistle stop, right? Uh, yeah. Which which one's whistle stop? That's the one with the whistling. I don't whistle.
1: Oh yeah, yes, 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 that one. Yes, yes, yes. I whistle that one a lot. Yes, both of those. Yes. I didn't remember that it was called Whistle Stop, so
0: yeah. Well, it doesn't have words, so they have to call it something, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, uh, the the Robin Hood soundtrack's amazing. One hundred percent. So,
1: all right. Well, we were going to do best movie without a villain, but you said at the beginning of the show that every movie has a villain, so
0: uh... <laughs> it's Moana. The best movie <laughs> without a villain is Moana. When you say, I mean, it, that that's that's one <laughs> where the reveal that the villain is not a villain is legitimately surprising and also makes total sense in the context of the movie. It doesn't feel like a cheat. Um, I, that that's the best movie about a villain.
1: Okay. I was going to say Bambi, but man, I guess is a top 10 villain, I I had no idea. So,
0: (laughs) i will agree that it's moana if, if it's not bambi <laughs> i'm interested to see if you still think bambi is the best disney movie because you you have you've maintained that for a long time yeah um, well, you're but i guess to... we'll have to wait till next week to find yep. or next month to find out yep
1: you're gonna have to wait till next month that's right
0: or of course, if our listeners would like to prolong that even longer and send us even more questions, this could turn into three episodes. It could.
1: Yep. We, we go into do, four or five. We won't do our desert island picks until the the end of the end of the end, I think. So.
0: Yeah, yeah that's right. <clears throat> All
1: right. Well, anyway, th- this is a lot of fun, Michael. I, <laughs> i hope our <laughs> listeners had as much fun as i did <laughs> i sure did
0: i fun. really i really am uh, appreciative of uh jordan and nathan and joe for sending in these these questions they, they, it's stuff that i don't know that i would have been able to think of and uh, it was fun to do the research yes, and we've actually. got some uh really good uh really good questions coming up next month
1: we do Yeah, including potentially yours. If you're one of those who's like, oh, I want to be named, like Nathan and Jordan and Joe, then uh email us before they were live at gmail.com. We'll say your name into your podcast, uh, and you'll you'll hear it and you'll you'll feel so you'll be
0: immortalized.
1: You'll be immortalized
0: podcast with (laughs) what what did what did Danny always say about (laughs) Sectarian Review that it had ones of listeners? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Ones of listeners, that's right. Um, but yes, anyway, please, please do reach out to us if you have uh, anything to say, uh, you, you know, dis- disagree with all of my answers. Uh, tell us what we forgot. That's that's fine. My, my big fear uh, going into this is like I'm going to forget something super obvious. So um, anyway, our press liaison is Christian Philippic. We're on the old interwebs um, at Before They Were Alive and ChristianHumanist.org. We also want to encourage you to set your podcast player styles to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, where you'll find an abundance of, well, less of an abundance these days. But you will find some new and old shows to keep you going. Michael and I know there are a great number of podcasts out there you could be spending your time on. So thank you for spending the time with us. So for Michael Farmer, I'm Josh altman Bye.